How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Defender podcast. We are coming to you from the greatest country in the world, deep in the heart of the Lone Star State, Dallas, Texas. I am your host, Paul Aguilar. Please make sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell icon so you never miss an episode in the future. Also, hit the thumbs up button as well as it helps us with the YouTube algorithms. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Defender Podcast, on Instagram at Truth Defender Podcast. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments for myself or our guests, if you have any guest or topic recommendations, you can also email us at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. Today's guest is David Ditchfield. In 2016, Mr. Ditchfield was dragged under a speeding train in a freak accident. As the surgeons fought to save him, he had a profound near-death experience. Uh, when he woke up in the hospital, he had acquired astonishing new abilities. He found he could paint dramatic paintings of what he had seen in the afterlife. Far beyond any artistic ability he had before, he then discovered he could compose classical music, which is crazy. Uh, having never received any kind of training whatsoever, um, his symphony, The Defined Light, uh, premiered at a sellout orchestral concert to a standing ovation. Uh, we'll get into this, exactly how all that came about, especially, are you able to read and write music as well now or you still don't know how to do that no i still don't know how to read or write a note of music <laughs> but i can explain how i go about it anyway right so right I'll, yeah. I'll tell you about that in a bit yeah yeah that's sure. the craziest part um yeah <laughs> but uh, without further ado mr david ditchfield sir how are you doing today hi i'm good thank you great to meet you anyway absolutely yeah it's, it's great to meet you as well um so this is probably one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. Um, I, like I mentioned to you before, I actually read your book. I, I got it as soon as it came out at midnight um, on Saturday. So I got that off Amazon. If anybody needs or wants to go ahead and get that book, um, we'll go ahead and link that book down in, in the description as well. Um, but before we get started, can you please let everybody know where they can find you online? Yeah, sure. If you go to uh, shineonthestory.com, um, which is my website, and, you know, that's the main starting point, you know, that's like the hub, if you like, and you can find all my music and my artwork and links to buy the book as well, which is, as you say, it's available on Amazon, but you can click on the links there. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, com. Shine on, yeah. So, yeah, like I mentioned to everybody, I, I, I got the book. It was it was a great read. Um, I sat through it, okay. I think, that night. Um, I got it at midnight when it came out on Amazon. I, I got the Kindle version. Um, sure. And I read through it, like, it took me about three hours or so. Read right wow. through it, so yeah, it was great. It was a great book. Um, but yeah, I mean, That's so fast. we, I guess, for anybody who hasn't read the book yet, obviously, um, can you kind of go ahead and let everybody know exactly what happened to you and why you actually came to write this book in the first place? Yeah, sure. Well, um, basically, it, the story starts um, from my my life. I was living in London in the uk which is where i'm based and as you pointed out and uh i was i was pretty much uh, i was down on my luck you know I'd, I'd run on hard times i was running out of money and um i'd uh my sister turned around to me and said look come and hang out with us for a while up in cambridgeshire and they just lived down in the countryside so i did do and uh, i was up there for a few weeks and a, and a friend that i'd met a few weeks previous came up to visit me and i we had a great time together and I was seeing her off at the rail station and I helped her with her bags onto the train and uh, gave her a kiss and a hug goodbye. And as I stepped back, um, the bottom sort of corner of my coat uh, got trapped in the automatic closing doors and I couldn't release it. So I'm stood on the platform edge there 
trying to pull this coat out and it wasn't going to come. So uh, right. I turned around, of course, and looked for a guard, but there was no guard on the platform. But I, so I just shouted for help, you know, nobody turned up. Um, the next thing I just thought, well, you know, just hit the buttons that uh, close the door, that that wasn't going to function either. Right. So I looked into the eyes of, of, um, of my friend, Anna, and uh, I just saw the look of terror in her eyes. And I just thought, you know, this is it. I'm going to die. The engines were revving up and the train was about to pull out. Right. And um, so it did. It started pulling out and it picked up tremendous speed. And I lost my footing and was dragged along the platform as I was still attached uh, to these doors. And then I was pulled between the, the gap of the actual pl platform edge and the train itself. And down I went. And it was like being pulled into the gates of hell. You know, right. I just went down into complete darkness. And and uh, no, yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at first thoughts as, as you were going, I mean, as you were pulled under, I mean, obviously you thought like, I'm going to die this shit. Like, you know, yeah. this, this is it. Right. But I mean, did you, were you kind of aware of like all the feelings as you were, you were getting run over? I mean, did you feel like when it ran over you? And, well, and, to be honest with you, it was just like, uh, it, I was thrown around and all over the place, you know, it was, it was all, it, it was like a very sort of violent storm, you know, just like right. completely tossed around all over the place. And so it there was, a, it was like a, a moment of um, complete chaos and confusion. And, um, and then I just suddenly found myself lying down in face down, um, you know, in between the, the, the track and the train was still going on at that point. Right. So I'd been thrown out of, out of the machine, if you like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, lay there and uh, still knew that it wasn't over. And, and I remember thinking to myself, remember all the Bond movies, the 007 Indiana Jones adventure movies. Right. When they get in that situation, they just hold their head down because some undercarriage could come and whack me over the back and that would be it. Right. So that's exactly what I did. And I just had my nose down into the oil of the, of the gravel, you know, as it were. And then right. the train eventually moved on and then it, just, it seemed to take forever to go on it was a long train sure and the, you know off it went so all this completely complete horror and violence just suddenly just dispersed down the track and there i was lying there <laughs> right and it's so i mean you're lying there and it's do people immediately see what happened did they yeah. recognize what happened and yeah um there was, I found out later that there was, there was a, there was a woman who was working on sort of watching the CT. She was, she was like the signal person basically. So she was operating the signals and right. she saw the whole thing unfold through the cameras, right. but there was nothing she could do to actually stop the, the actual driver. So that was hell for her as well. So she alerted the um, services straight away and, and the, you know, the ambulance guys were there within minutes you know because sure. actually there was a hospital just around the corner so it was quite close so anyway so they jumped down on the track and started you know cutting through my clothes and everything and getting me sorted and somehow they managed to get me onto a stretcher and lift me right up onto the platform edge and then wheel me into the back of an ambulance and um you know i remember getting in the back and the, and the doctor turned around and said look you know there's a hospital just around the corner but you're in pretty bad shape um we'd like to take you to a, a better hospital that will, that will save you. Are you up for that? I said, yeah, let's go. Right. So I remember the siren just went on and we just kind of like, you know, screamed down the highway, you know, full blast, like a rocket taking off. Sure. And uh, next thing I knew, 
I was uh, being wheeled into the emergency department at this hospital, and uh, there's a whole crew of, um, uh, you know, uh, medics and uh, surgeons and, and doctors waiting for me, what have you, um, all stood there in a semicircle. Sure. Um, so there I was lying there with all this frantic sort of, um, you know, sort of lots of all these voices going on over my head, you know, talking science, and these, you know, sort of <laughs> yeah. desperately trying to save me, you know, because I was losing copious amounts of blood at that time. And uh, um, so uh, I was in tremendous pain and, um, you know, it was, it was all pretty sort of hellish. And um, my family were there as well. They had arrived, they, they, they found out pretty quick um, because my friend Anna, who I was seeing off, phoned my sister immediately. Right and said david just gone under a train i, I think he's dead you know right. <laughs> and uh so but they they got to the hospital and uh, so they were there and i remember them coming in to see me just before because they had to wheel me straight into into theater to to, to operate on me right. but i got to chat to my family for a bit and it was at that point that um i just um you know found that i, I left my body and went on to uh, to a, a really beautiful place <laughs> sure so, so so yeah would you like me to talk you through that yeah yeah absolutely so i mean that obviously happened um as soon as you got to hospital it, you know after you spoke with them and everything did you kind of go through surgery after that and, and is that where that happened or how did you know how did that no happen? no it, it actually happened while i was in in the emergency department before i actually went into surgery so okay. yeah so it was when i was actually lying there with my family all around me yeah Ah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. 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 So I mean, if you can go ahead and walk us through exactly, you of know, course, maybe what yeah. you remember and you know. Yeah. Like yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very clear to me still. So, um, as I say, I I went from all all the pain and the agony of lying, you know, there in this hospital, and um, I was suddenly in what I felt was like a darkened room. It was a dark. It felt like a, a beautiful darkened room there. Not not a you know, and, uh, and I looked. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and I looked all around me, and uh, all the uh, all the pain had gone, and I just thought, "Where am I?" And I just figured straight away, actually, at that point, that this is it, that I died. I'm I'm now on on the other side, and uh, but there was no sense of uh, fear or you know, sort of you know, worry or or regret or anything. I was just totally at ease with sure. the fact that this is it. Here I am, and um, I remember seeing these pulsating colors that started appearing all around me they were just kind of like um ambers and greens and yellows and reds just slowly pulsating and i found that really relaxing and i just thought wow this is amazing <laughs> and uh and i looked around me and I, I realized i was no longer lay on on a hospital trolley but i was lying lay on on a, a huge rock it was like a slate rock and like a big sort of it was almost like a medieval altar you know and sure. uh, i thought but it felt really comfortable to to be lying on which you wouldn't think it would be but it it, it actually was and um and i looked down to check my body to see how it was looking and uh, everything was fixed you know everything was all there was no you know injuries whatsoever right. everything was back in shape there was no pain and uh, i was just covered in like this blue sort of satin sort of sheet and uh, which felt really relaxing and calm and um and it was at that point i just suddenly felt the presence of somebody with me and i looked up and um, just at the end of my feet i just saw like this being um 
an, like an androgynous being, neither male or female, like just staring at me uh, with like a knowing smile, if you like, you know. And, and uh, this being like it's a being of light, I would I call it, because it was just like really glowing um, from within. And there was there was like I felt like I'd known this 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 being um, for the whole of my life and and beyond. You know, it, it was like a it was like a soulmate um, and a protector and a guard. Uh, so I felt really great at that point and protected. Right. And as this being was smiling at me, I just laid back and relaxed. And I looked up and then I saw three grids of white light uh, just above me. And in these grids of white light, I could see like this pure white light. And I, and I couldn't take my gaze away from the light um, because it was just so beautiful and calming. And I felt like this light was almost healing me. And um, it was the kind of light that was so intense that it would be very hard to look into. In fact, it would be impossible to look into. But on in this other realm, it wasn't. It was quite fine to look into this light. And then um, I suddenly felt the presence of two other people that were with me. And uh, and I looked at and either side. There were two female forms. Um, one of them was like sort of uh, kind of white European sort of um, sort of blue eyes, brown, sort of green eyes actually, and and then sort of like sort of brown hair, right. and um, the other one was more sort of um, uh, Indian American, Asian American sort of look about her, and uh, and they were both healing me. They they their hands just hovering slowly over my body, and uh, and I could feel like a sensation of love that was coming through their hands, that was uh, as this healing process was going on. Sure. So, and it felt very, very calming. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um. So I mean, so this is all happening as you were in hospital. But was it like more than one time, or it was just that one instance, and then you never well, saw them again? No, no. Well, I well basically this. I I remained in in this realm, and uh, it was at that point that as I lay back and and enjoyed all this energy of love that was coming from them. Um, it was like an unconditional love, you know, just coming through their hands. Uh, I just felt like I was being prepared for something to, you know, like I was being prepared to move on to, to somewhere else and I didn't know right. what. And then I th- thought about my family back in the hospital and I figured I should, you know, look over and see how they're doing. And right. so I kind of like turned over on this huge kind of slate rock I was on and I looked over to, to see if I could see them. Right. And I didn't see them at all. But what I did see when I looked down was like this um, beautiful sight. It was like a, a, a massive arc, like a sort of, when I say an arc, it was like a, a huge curve, like a waterfall of stars that was cascading down. And uh, and all these stars were just beautifully sparkling. And I, and I thought, wow, look at that. Yeah. And uh, I just thought, well, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not actually in a darkened room whatsoever. I'm actually in the universe itself. And it was just like, it was a vast vision because uh, the further I looked down, the the more, the deeper it went. It went into from one galaxy to another, it seems, and down into infinity. You know? And sure. the colors that were down there were, were really beautiful as well. Right. And uh, um, so, yeah, and there were shooting stars just dropping through the middle. So it was all very, very powerful. And um, And so as I turned my head back over, it was interesting. I just thought to myself, well, I'm sure I will be seeing my family anyway because 
I know that I'm dead and I know that they're going to come over. They'll be experiencing all this in themselves at some point And, you know, sure. maybe I'll be seeing them. I don't know, but I was, I, I, I didn't concern myself too much about it. Right. Cause all those feelings of concern and worry and irrational thoughts will disappear when you're in that realm. And, um, the next thing I noticed was there was, um, I could, a, a stronger presence uh, that was drawing in closer to me and I looked and there was this huge kind of tunnel of white light that was just kind of closing in slowly and this white light was just so intense and uh, it, it was like surrounded by all these flames that were just kind of slowly sort of circling around the light and it was very powerful and um, then I just knew straight away that this was um, this was God this was the source of all creation this is this is what it's here. That's, this is where it all comes from. It's this is not the image of God that we've all been led to believe. You know, well, many of us anyway. That right. the you know for for especially in the Western world, which is kind of like you know the, the image of say God with a beard and in, uh, in the sky. It's not. A, it's not a human form. Basically, is what I'm saying. No, it's not sure. human. And um, and it's it's this huge tunnel of white light, and that is the source of all creation. And I felt power coming from this was just like every sort of molecule of my body was just almost like vibrating with this sense of again this feeling of love and it was just like wow this is incredible you know yeah and, and i just felt sorry you gonna say no, no, i'm sorry go ahead i was just yeah i was just thinking <laughs> out loud in my head but no, yeah cool it's, it's, um <laughs> yeah but i mean i was gonna say you know you mentioned that you were kind of aware of, at that point of you know what was going on around you you know maybe you had that you had actually passed on but yeah um as soon as you i mean after you woke up did you kind of think back like you know what the heck was that like what was actually going on and at, at that point had you been well up until that point had you been religious in any like any kind of way um you know, no 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 i hadn't no um you know when when i came back um it was like crashing down to earth, you know, it was just like I was straight back into my physical body with all the pain and, and anxiety was there, turned up high, you know, but interestingly enough, um, all I felt was why did they send me back? It wasn't like, you know, yeah, there was, of course I was going, what, what was that? You know, what just happened? But I, but it all made sense that, that, that it, that I just died and I'd come back and it was, it was just an incredible thing and, and all i could think at that point was like I've, I've got to tell the world i didn't think anybody else had experienced this i, I didn't know anything sure. about near-death experiences at that point and i thought i've got to tell everybody and in fact anna who i'd been seeing off on, on the train stepped up just before those took me through and she said they're going to take you through now i said okay and i said anna look i've got something really amazing to tell you it's something really important and she was going no 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 you know she put her hand over my mouth she said tell me later you know and it was just like I was so bursting with, uh, you know, wanted to tell the world, you know. So anyway, um, but um, yeah, when I came through from from the anaesthetic, I, they they put me in a room on my own in, in the hospital. I remember going through the middle of the night afterwards, and it was just I was lay there on my own, and uh, part of me was dealing with the aftermath of of the accident. I'm thinking, what the hell happened there? You know, that accident, yeah. and what, how come I survived it? And um, and also the shock of it all but also i was just laying in this room i just got this machine bleeping away it was like an r2d2 or whatever yeah star wars you know just uh, bleeping in the dark 
and it was also surreal. And I just thought, how am I going to tell everybody about this? You know, so I just figured to myself, the best way I'm going to be able to do this is I'm, I'm going to have to paint it. I'm going to have to do a huge painting. And I've done nothing like this before because I just figured that's the best way to be able to put it across so that everyone knows exactly what waits for us, you know, on the other side when, when we, when we pass over. Sure. Oh yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's, so you say you, you thought that maybe you should put it in a painting and, you know, the fact that you hadn't, hadn't done any kind of painting like that, you know, whatsoever is, is amazing, amazing for one. Um, but I mean, so you, you figure that no one's going to actually believe you, you know, when you come back and you want to tell everybody your story. Eventually when you told, you know, your family and everything, mm. what had happened, what was, you know, what was their response? Well, um, yeah, the, the response was really, it was great actually. Yeah. Uh, it took me about a week um, to tell my parents about it sure. um, because they, they have a faith. They're, 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 they're Christians and they, they, you know, they go to church and stuff. So I thought, this might just kind of like the gears might grind for them. They might kind of think, well, you know, this, this doesn't come into our faith, which it doesn't, as they told me afterwards. But um, yeah, when I, I remember when they, I told them, um, you know, my mother turned around to me and she said, uh, they sat there and, and I was laying in the hospital and, and I taught them through everything as I've just been telling you. And, uh, and then my mom just turned around afterwards and she said, yeah, we know. And I said, you know, how do you know? And she's, I mean, it was part of the, it was like a mother's instinct, I guess. But she said, well, every time we walk in to see you in hospital, we walk into this room and you're glowing. You've got this, you, it's like this energy coming from you that's healing everybody, not healing everybody else, but caring for everybody else. The nurses around you, the family, it's just, you can hardly move, but you're giving out this strength. So there, she was saying that, they knew something was different about me that knew they, they noticed a change and they talked about it. So, so yeah. Um, and just about what well, everybody, I, I told my friends and family about it and um, they very, very much wanted to hear about it. And, and they still do now. I mean, they, a, a lot has happened since, you know, and, and they, they've seen the book come out and everything and they're very much behind it. They don't kind of go, Oh yeah, that thing that happened to you. Do you know what I mean, okay, they know okay. that this is like a huge part of my life. And it's become a huge part of theirs as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud. In fact, what I did was um, I decided to interview all the people around me and, and kind of get, like, if you like, witness statements sure. that I put in the back of the book. I don't know if you, if you saw those. Yeah, like I saw some of Kindle. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just figured no one's done that before. And I thought it might be a nice idea just so that, you know, you get like a different perspective. So it's not just me telling you a story. You've got right. all the people around me. You can see you, they're in the book, so you get to know them. Right. And you can just see what their take is on it, you know. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and I didn't prompt them. I just kind of said, to them, here's the questions. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> I mean, a statement right now. Yeah. No, yeah. So, I mean, I was one of the things that stuck out to me early on in the book when I was reading it, um, you know, right before you actually had the accident, you spoke of kind of having like a foreboding kind of feeling. Did you, you know, like yeah. on that day, was yes. was that something that you really thought about at the time or you thought back oh, yeah. on it afterwards and you were like, Oh, this is what, you know, what I was, what I was feeling at that time. Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was very, strong it was uh i remember that the you know my friend anna she got to get back um 
to London. It was important she got that train, but she seemed to be like kind of like taking her time, getting almost like she was resisting going, you know, trying to stall, and yeah, trying to stall <laughs> at the moment. And then, uh, and then I remember my sister's cat came into the room, and he jumped up on top of this this kind of like high sort of um, a piece of furniture. It was like a sort of like a, a, a wardrobe or whatever, you know, and it was. It was a very low ceiling. It was an old uh, old cottage that I was staying in. So he was just lodged himself right up there in this very unusual position. And I was going, what are you doing up there? And he was just like looking at me. And he just kept staring at me. And it's almost like, I said, are you trying to tell me something? You know? yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and it was just, there was just a strange energy that I was very aware of. And in fact, as I left the house, I just turned around and said to my sister, something something's going on here something's feel this something feels really odd you know it's words to that effect and uh and stuff and um and i actually asked my sister i don't know why but we were just about to leave and i said can you take a photograph of this of me and anna you know right and and she was there with all the bags and everything rushing for this train and she went uh, yeah okay you know and i've never seen that photograph it's got well it was on my phone so the phone got smashed you know Ooh, in the accidents yeah. So I don't, there was, that was really weird. And, and, uh, I wish I'd still got it. I wish I'd kept it because it was, I would have, it was just all very strange, but, um, yeah, but, uh, it, yeah, something was trying to tell me that day that something, the energy just felt really odd. So it just goes to show that, you know, that everything was all coming to a point. It just wasn't just coincidence that I just got my coat trapped and then I went under the train. The whole thing was just leading up to that event as I, as I look back now in retrospect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you were in the hospital and you obviously had a bunch of surgeries as well. It, you know, did, well, I mean, I know exactly what happened to you because I, you know, I read the book. I've seen your interviews as well, but I mean, what, you know, what kind of injuries did you have? Because going under the train, you would think that you would be run over by the train and you would just be, you know all gone yeah. but i know um this is it. i came out remarkably well yeah uh, i mean the worst the worst in, injury that i did sustain was um that my my left uh my left arm got um severed from from the elbow down right. and that's where I, I was losing all the blood and uh they managed to save it you know when i arrived in the hospital there was a young doctor who was in a surgeon who was in charge of the whole thing and I begged him when we went in, I said, can you save my left arm, please? You know, because <laughs> I, I used to play guitar, like sort of three chord wonder, sort of punk <laughs> rock and roll stuff, you know. Yeah. And I was keen to, you know, carry, well, I was keen to keep my arm, actually. Sure. <laughs> and yeah, uh, absolutely. and he, he stuck to his word. And uh, he told me afterwards that, you know, that they were, when they got me in there, you know, or the, it was on the cards. I said, right, we'll, we'll amputate the arm. That would have been the immediate thing to do. And he said, "No, I want to save it." So they, so they did. Uh, it took three, eight-hour operations to to actually save it, you know. But they, oh, bless him, he did, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, uh, you know, it it was um, that, that that was that was the main thing. But you're right. I mean, it, I mean, it, I should have been dead, uh, and that's a fact. I mean, it, the the National Rail Police in the UK did a, a massive inquiry on it. You know, they took the train down to london and stripped the doors down on the carriage to the, the last rivet you know they told me right. and uh afterwards they said yeah it took a year to do all, all their research and they said he said look he said um we're finished now and he said but i've got to say to you we all banged our heads together and said what well, he should be dead we've measured everything up and every, 
you, all the calculations were you should not have survived it and we just don't understand it and so it was just um you know it was it really was like a, it was a miracle that i that i, that I survived but came out of it a lot better right. off as well physically yeah. than than i could have, i should have done yeah it's it's definitely i mean for something like that um i mean a lot of people go under you know trains where they get run over by trains or they their, their cars get hit by trains things like that and and you know they don't they just don't walk away. I mean, you obviously didn't walk away, but they, you know, they don't get to walk away with, you know, with their life most of the time. And, and even if they do, you know, they lose legs or arms. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. it was extremely, you were extremely, extremely lucky. I mean, we shouldn't say lucky, you know, obviously there was probably something looking out for you. There was something else going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so you mentioned, you know, before all this, you, you weren't really, you know, like any kind of religious whatsoever. No. Even now, do you feel, I mean, even not, not, not so much religious, but do you feel like there's something more out there, you know, other than, other than religion, but like, like there's a higher power looking out for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a, a higher power looking out for us all, to be honest with you. And I, and it, what I feel is, I mean, is that those guides that I'd call them that were looking after me that right. day, the, those guides are still with me on a daily basis. You know, I, especially at the beginning when I was recovering in hospital, I felt like I was still a part of me was still in that other world. You know, I felt like I was still attached like by a cord, you know. So there was lots of energy coming through, as sure. my parents pointed out, you know, right. the, the glowing thing, you know. And, uh, but, um, yeah, but those guides are with me. I mean, so so yeah. I mean, it's completely changed my whole outlook now. I mean, I call upon my guides pretty much every day, you know. To and um, and it's something that I realised that they they'd been with me throughout the whole of my life, but I just didn't know it because I just you know I was you know kind of not ignorant to it. That's the wrong word, but I was just. Uh, I just had no idea, you know, I was, I was leading my life on a day-to-day basis like a lot of us and trying to fix every situation by putting a Band-Aid over, over the, you yeah. know, by, you know, go, at that, that time, what I was doing, I was like, I was struggling to get by and I was, uh, I'd end up going down to the local bar and hanging out there trying to hustle work and drinking all my wages away, you know, right. so that was my way of trying to deal with all my crises, you know, and stuff like that, but. I realize now that, that that you don't have to that you can you know you can call upon these these guys which I, I i feel and that we've all got and i know that we've all got them there right and, um so yeah so so it's my faith is is very strong yeah i mean it's just um it's 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 a, it's a very much a different thing i i i i discovered a spiritualist church actually um that i well i i it was an interesting story because the I, I stumbled across a spiritualist church. This was like going back a few months before the actual accident itself. And it had been another visit to my sister's, but that was just a social visit at that point. Right. And uh, I was on the train and there was a, an elderly couple sat opposite me and they were confused as to where the next station was and what have you. We got chatting and um, I helped them out where, where, the, where they needed to get off. And then the lady said to me, look, we're going to see a medium tonight. I was going, okay. And again, I knew nothing about mediums, but she was very insistent on telling me about this brilliant medium. She said, <laughs> she said, she's totally unknown, but she's great. You know, I said, okay. And she was, she gave me this flyer, you know, like a small poster and I folded it up and put it in my pocket. I said, thank you very much. You know, 
And she said, come along. I said, okay. And uh, I arrived at my sister's and there, were, there was quite a lot of stuff going on there when I arrived. They were quite busy. So I, I thought, I said, look, I'm just going to go and have a drink. I'm going to go down to the local pub and have a, have a beer. So I did do. And as I sat there drinking, I just pulled out this fly and looked at it and I said, right, I'm going to go, um, you know, go and see, see this, this um, medium. Right. Which is what I did. And uh, it was a very busy sort of spiritualist church, a lovely little place. And I walked in and got myself a seat. And everyone was get, getting, uh, you know, messages coming through from the other side from this medium. They'd, people had lost their loved ones. And they were very comforted by it all. It was great, you know. And I wasn't looking again for anything. And then she just turned around to me and said, a gentleman in the blue sweater over there, your life is about to change. And I said, oh right she said yeah great and uh i thought in what way am i gonna win the lottery or you know and stuff like that and, she's, and she said they're not telling me uh, they just said it's going to be big and be ready for it and uh and they'll protect you you know basically so i thought okay great so i still went away thinking yeah is it going to be the lottery or is it going to be the girlfriend that i was desperately chasing after that was completely the wrong person for me right. <laughs> but there you go so uh, um but it wasn't that. And then I realized after this near-death experience that that's what she was talking about. That was the big change that was coming. So I wanted to find this church. So I went in and discovered it. And uh, they were great. You know, I went into a, um, a tract it down eventually. I went in there and sat down and we went to a service. And they all gathered around chatting to me. They knew about me. I was, I was a bit of a local sort of known person because it had right. been all over the news and stuff, the, the accidents. And... Um, I started talking about my near-death experience and they just got it. You know, they just understood it straight away. Like they knew all, all about near-death experiences. And sure. so that was great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, you mentioned before that you didn't really know that there was like a, a lot of people that actually had near the, you know, like near-death experiences and that that was a thing. Um, yeah. But, you know, after all of that, you know, you were kind of looking for answers afterwards. Did you, run into other people with them as well or did you kind of go out and look for other people that had the same experiences or um i as soon as i were, was i recovered uh, at my sister's house and um she said come stay with us and i was there and they'd given me my own room and a laptop and stuff and i remember looking at it and then uh, and i went online to see what i could find and the first thing that i saw was actually was this beautiful it was a young child who'd had a near-death experience. You know, she must have been only about seven or eight years old. Right. And um, and she did this, like, real basic sort of stick drawing, if you like, you know, that a child of that age would do. And it was just, it was almost identical what, to what I just talked about you, but from a child's point of view, you know, it was this basic sort of the hands, even the stick hands going out over is this kind of blue square, which is obviously this, the cloth over her, you know. Right. And then this looked like an ice cream cone sort of flying through the sky, <laughs> which was obviously the tunnel of light. And so I thought, wow, that's it, you know. This is, so I knew by then what near-death experiences were and that there was a phrase for it. Um, and there was, it was interesting because I, I, the first painting that I did I I got it printed off and I got these little prints done. And I remember I was still going into hospital every, you know, throughout the week every uh, for for months and just and I I was going to the physio gym and all the all the physios in there were all people who who were amputees had been in accidents and lost their legs and stuff, you know. And I told them the story when we were having our coffee break and everyone was listening to it, you know, and showed them the painting. Everyone was going, "Oh, that's amazing," you know. 
And then as everyone dispersed, there was this guy who I got to know who, who'd been, again, he'd, a miracle that he'd survived. He was on a motorbike that was being chased up the highway uh, by the police. Um, you know, it was either a stolen bike or whatever, you know, but he was, right. he was definitely breaking the law, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and he was out to try and escape them. And he, he, was, he said he was going 125, 150 miles an hour, you know, and came off. And so he lost his leg. And so he turned around to me and said, you know, that thing you, uh, you just said about what happened to you. And I said, yeah, he said, and he looked around and said, that happened to me too. I said, really? Oh, wow. You know, and I said, have you told many people about it? And he just kind of went, no way. You know, like you know, all my yeah. mates would just think that I'm crazy. Right. And I said, you've got to, you've got to talk about this. You know, and I still don't know to this day whether, whether he's, he listened to my advice or not. You know? yeah. I kind of figured he wouldn't do something. I think he's probably not. <laughs> I hope he has. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I meet him one day and he proves me right. Wrong. Sure. Sorry. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's, you know, especially with people like I come from a military background, so I know a lot of people that, you know, they had near death experiences and, you know, I've spoken with, with a few people here and there. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely more common than a lot of people think, but then you also have a lot of people that, you know, they have accidents or, you know, and then they say, I, I never saw anything or, you know, stuff like that. But but I, I mean, obviously, during yours, you, you know, you came back with some incredible abilities. You know, obviously, you learn how to paint like out of nowhere. Um, yeah. So, like, how many? I'm, I wouldn't say how many paintings, but like, do you kind of knock a painting out? You know, like once a week or twice a week, or just kind of however you feel <laughs> during the time. Or, uh, well, at the moment, not not so much because uh, I've got this book coming out. So a lot of my time and energy has been, um, you know, based on sort of uh, doing the promotion for that. But right. yeah, um, but I was really, yeah, I was really prolific after that, especially at the beginning. I was just knocking out these paintings and um, not knocking them out, but I was just really, I right. just couldn't stop. I wanted to keep painting. I wanted to paint what I'd seen in the afterlife. And I wanted to continue because once I'd started the first one, you know, I was obviously apprehensive because I thought, how am I going to do this? I remember having this huge canvas just kind of sat against the wall that, that my aunt had bought for me. And, uh, cause, and I thought, how am I going to do it? But once I started, I realized that I was getting help, if you like, from, from somewhere else. Um, and I still do everything that I do. I, I, what I call, it's called channeling. So it's like I'm right. channeling energy through. And it goes into my work. And so I'm being guided to paint. And uh, so so that's something that's continued on. Yeah, so I still do do a lot of uh, artwork. But um, uh, yeah, it was amazing because I, 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 I started painting. There was some friends of my sisters again who, who run like this local sort of um, uh, yoga Pilates center. And uh, they've bumped into me and and uh or they could pop around to my sisters or whatever and they said oh look, you know how's that painting going on i hadn't started at that point i was putting it off to be honest <laughs> and uh i said oh yeah there's no i can't there's not enough room in here you know enough and stuff and they said right well we've got a room in our attic above the studios which is free for a week you can come and start there and like it was, it was a kind of like you can't refuse you know okay right. so i went down there and i started and when it when i started it came together immediately and I thought wow this is incredible and I knew it didn't take me long to realize that I was getting 
help um, to do these paintings, you know, so. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I've seen, you know, a lot of the paintings you've done and it, I mean, it looks like you've been painting for years and years, <laughs> like, you know, like if you actually grew up and, you know, you were actually yeah. painting since you were younger, but I mean, and then you, you know, you you mentioned that you were kind of into music. You, you know, you That's actually, right, yeah. you played the guitar and stuff like that, but, but to actually write symphonies, you know, how did, how did that whole thing develop after that? Yeah. Well, that, that came through because um, the, the spiritually church that I talked about, um, uh, they, when I was there, they said to me that very first time I walked through, because I was pretty looking at, I was in a bad way then <laughs> and they, they could see. And they said, look, you know, we do spiritual healing. Would you like to come along? And I was going, yeah, great. So I started going for spiritual healing and then the healing, the spiritual healing is almost similar to what I was talking about earlier. It's kind of like a hands-on thing, you know, and, yeah. and they channel, they talk, they explain to me that they channel energy through themselves from, from their guides, you know, and uh, you feel the energy coming through. And, and I, I actually physically healed a lot quicker um, than what, again, what I should have done. You know, the doctors were really amazed. I said, you're, you're healing at an incredible rate, you know. And I started saying, yeah, it's because I'm going for spiritual healing. And they went, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. Yeah, they can deal with that one. They're scientists, which is yeah. fine. You know, scientists are great. I wouldn't be here without science as well. Yeah. So um, anyway, so these, some of these healers are clairvoyant. And they would just give you like short burst messages of what they were picking up in the healing session, you know. Sure. And it, they, all of a sudden I found that a few of them would be turning around with the same thing. They were saying, oh, they're telling me that you're going to write some music about your experience. And I was going, okay. So I went back to my apartment and I just, I couldn't play guitar anymore, but I got an old synthesizer in my wardrobe. So I just pulled that out and started trying to bang some chords together on that. Cause I thought, well, the only thing I knew was songs, you know, I thought I was going to be writing like a three minute pop song about my experience, <laughs> but that just wasn't the case. Cause I thought, How am I, again, like the paintings, it's got to be big. It's got to be, a lot more you know and so uh, that song just wasn't coming together but one day i was sat there and this chord progression came through and i thought that sounds really nice i like that you know so i recorded it onto a little old cassette recorder which is all i got at that stage and um and then i started developing it from there and um, it became apparent to me that this was going to be more suitable for an orchestra to play and i Become friends with with the local orchestra because I, they'd want the cellist from the orchestra used to come up and see my paintings at the yoga center and uh, she said she we became friends. She said, "What what are you up to?" And I told her, "I was writing this piece." I said, "I think it should be played for orchestra one day." You know, she said, "Oh well, maybe we could do it." You know, it was a it was like a whimsical sort of just you know, maybe you know one day you know. And I thought, right, sure. maybe why not? You know, again, I thought if I can do these paintings. So my brother said, look, I've got this, you know, piece of software that you can use and when you can plug it into your, into your laptop and when you're playing, you know, on the keyboard, it will convert it into notation. And so that's exactly what I did. And then I got it all, all the score. I started hearing all the different instruments in my head and they started to come through again. I was channeling ideas. I'd hear like a, a horn sound and that, that would be the French horn part, you know, and, and so on and so on. And then I just put it all together, took it to the orchestra and said, what do you think? And they said, yeah, okay, we'll do it. We'll give it a go. So they, they did. And 
um, it was amazing because I, again, I knew that I was getting help with that, with the whole, not just the composition had finished at that point, but they helped me with, I don't know, getting it out there as it were, because the orchestra, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking too much about it being a big, big deal. You know, I just right. happy to get it played, but um, the orchestra said, look, would you mind just saying a few words to the local press? We always do, you know, a piece that goes into a, advertise the concert i said yeah sure so i spoke to the local press and they loved it because i said it's about my near-death experience after going under the train so from then onwards it just kind of like bounced on and escalated into other the phone kept ringing and other newspapers became national then and you know the bbc right. came to film me so the concert sold out two weeks in advance mm. so it was an it was an amazing night <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> how, how nerve-wracking was that i mean to never having written any kind of music whatsoever still you know you you don't write music really but yeah you know to actually put that all together i mean how long did that take first off but afterwards it, did, it you did, know, yeah um it took it took a hot but from start to the actual concert it, it i'd say a year for everything to actually come together yeah right. and um so basically the yeah, I, mean, I was nervous. I'll tell you, the, the first time I was really nervous was the very first rehearsal that I went to. And um, and I arrived there at the rehearsal and I, and I walked in. Part of me was feeling really confident because I knew I'd got all this energy that had helped me right. get together. But I, I didn't know how it was going to sound. I got no idea, you know. And um, so I walked in there and uh, I remember the conductor turned around and said, oh, oh the... Um, the composers arrived. I was like, composer? I'm not, you know, I'm just <laughs> a regular guy, you know. And uh, and orchestras are very, I mean, they're a lovely crowd, I don't get me wrong, but, it, but it's quite daunting because it's a very kind of high, highly educated, uh, middle-class sort of arena, right. you know. Yeah. And um, I was my crowd. from, <laughs> yeah, well, it just wasn't my background either, you know. So I just thought, wow. So I, I thought, I'm out, am I out of my depth here, you know? And as I stepped forward, he said, uh, David, would you like to say a few words about your, your music? Right. And I said, no, no, that's, 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 that's okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. And he said, no, and he, no, come on. So I, I stepped forward, and then once I started talking about it, um, I felt comfortable uh, just relaying the story, and everyone was keen to hear about it. And uh, off they went. And I remember you know, the opening strings coming in uh, and straight away I knew, I knew that I'd nailed it, if you like, you know, it just felt beautiful. It was exactly, it took me straight back to that first moment in my apartment on my own with that cheap little old synthesizer playing those chords because they were right. the first ones that they played. And when they came in, I thought, yeah, this is it. This, they're playing exactly what I'd got in my mind and it was just remarkable but it's but it's a lot better than that i mean i can assure you i mean it's, it's an incredible experience to hear an orchestra play something that you've just done like it's just like it's, it's like a three-dimensional sound it's just like wow right so yeah so i was blown away so um so yeah so there was a balance of nerves but it was a balance of like you know this is this is great and i'm really enjoying this and stuff sure. and the concert itself that was interesting because you know, before I've been used to sort of, you know, when, not that I'd had any great success, but, you know, I, when I played gigs, you know, there were always like 
two men and a dog, you know, in the audience, and there's me <laughs> thrashing out a guitar and thinking, oh my God, when's this gonna, all going to be over, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and feeling nervous as hell, you know, whereas, whereas with this, um, I just sat there that we got, my family and I got front row seats and we, we sat there. And it was the same feeling again once they started playing. There was a sense of nerves, how it was all going to go and how it was all going to fall, fall together. But ultimately, I just enjoyed it, and I just felt, it just felt beautiful because the atmosphere, the energy in that room, that in that place was just fantastic, you know. And uh, and so I, I just um, I just kind of like I was just really sort of um, resonating f- from that more than the nerves. Sure. And is there is there anywhere that we, we can actually see the concert? I mean, you know, without actually having to go out there and in person. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you can listen to it. If, if again, okay. if you go to my website, um, you can you can l- click on the SoundCloud links for free, and you can stream the music sure. and listen to it. And okay. there's there's a short um, a, a clip on there, which is uh, of of the rehearsal, which is the okay. rehearsal before the night before, and that's. But unfortunately, at that stage, no, I didn't. I didn't have the the concert recorded. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, it's just there's just only so much you can yeah, you pull together, you know, at that, that stage. <laughs> and and I was happy just to have it performed, really. But sure. yeah, it would have been. But but yeah, but you can see it's a beautiful piece of film. It's just a short clip, but it's just it's stuff that the BBC came along and filmed at the rehearsal, literally, you know the night before i think it was and so you can see you'll be able to hear from that you know, and it's, it's a nice little snippet right yeah oh, yeah it's great it's i'd definitely be interested to hear some of it um so so the book came out this this past weekend um you know what kind of a response have, have you been getting for the book is everything great yeah it's been great so yeah it's been it's yeah. been really good um you know um we uh you know we um Pre-order sales were, were really up. You know, we were number one in the in the US and the UK in in our category of sort of like um, um, reincarnation and near-death experience category, which is good um, because there's some big names in there. You know, yeah. so we were we were like sort of edging our way up and figure, wow, you know, <laughs> we're number seventeen there. You know, but you know, when I looked last night, we were number one, and I opened amazon today to see you know a bestseller thing next to it awesome wow so so yeah i mean we'll see where it all goes from here i don't know but there's the energy again just like that concert has been very powerful you know from 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 the the build-up to the book coming out Um, it came out here on the 26th in the uk and i think for you guys the actual um, paperback came out on on the first so it would have been right today so yeah 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 Yeah, so it's yeah i got it At midnight Saturday, so Sunday morning, uh, on Kindle. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I first got it. I was waiting for that alert, and it popped up like at it was like five till midnight, oh, and I was like, you, yeah, let's do it. And I read the whole thing. I didn't even sleep. So that's it was, amazing. Yeah, really so, good. there's been a few people who've been saying that. There's a few people saying that you know they, they, they it's a it's a page turner, a right. page turner. You know they can't stop reading it and stuff. So there's been a few that have read it through, but that. That's that's the record that you've broken there. Three hours. That's very commendable. Yeah. No, yeah, I, was, I sat through it. I was waiting for it. I was I was watching TV here, um, and then I got the alert, and then I ran over to my Kindle and it was already downloading. And then as soon as it was ready to go, I just popped it open and we just sat through it. When I say we, I, it was me and my son. But I mean, my son was asleep. Oh, he was just laying next to me. Yeah. So, oh, uh, but nice. yeah, we were just there and read the whole thing. So fantastic. It was great. So like, do they? 
have you actually gone out to speak like at any kind of like events for near-death experiences? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'll tell you an interesting one. I was invited out to the south of France uh, uh, last year and uh, this, and um, I was out there talking about it and it was a retreat and uh, all the people, well, well actually they're, they're all uh, women who are on the retreat and, and they're all uh, end-of-life carers. Mm. So they're, you know, working in hospices, looking for people, looking after people who are just about to pass. So um, um, they've got all various speakers there talking about various different things, you know, talking about uh, new ways of like dealing with, with um, uh, the caring of the body and what have you. And anyway, so they asked me to come along and um, and talk about my near-death experience. So I did do, and, and that was, that was great. You know, I just, uh, we they said oh can you just i thought i was just going to go along and just chat for a couple of hours you know sure. <laughs> once i'd agree to it they said oh can, we've got the whole day aside books for you i was going the whole day I was going, okay, <laughs> no worries and so but it was great it was all very spontaneous and i just we there were such beautiful people who were running it and all the people there were all beautiful because i was in humbled by them i mean that a lot of the women there were like either doulas or um uh uh, end of life uh, midwives soul midwives as they're called you know so so the work they're doing is remarkable and the fact that they would they were really wanted to hear my story was just great and what we decided to do was i said look why don't we do a workshop in the afternoon and and so we, this was all agreed in advance so the people who are running it um said yeah we'll get all the paints in and stuff and paper and, and we'll do that so we're out there in this beautiful remote place in the middle of nowhere with nobody around except for all these buzzards flying around in the sky it was beautiful <laughs> you know oh it was, it was like heavenly um we were just out on this terrace in the afternoon and and uh holly who's now become a really good friend who who was running the retreat said why don't we have your music um playing you know on in the background and i said yeah okay so she said, we'll put it on repeat. I was going, no, everyone's going to go stir crazy on repeat. But they loved it. And it was just like, and it did actually work, just having my music just going around while they were painting. And so what I asked them to do was to paint what their vision of the afterlife would be like, what they figured it would be like, and paint what they thought their guides would be like, you know, that I thought of. So some really interesting and beautiful paintings came out of that. And, uh, yeah, so, but the, I, there's been a lot of interviews uh, that I've been doing, obviously with lockdown, it's right. all been like this, but which is great. I'm, I mean, I, I love it. It's because it means that I can just reach out to somebody like you and just chat. You know, I haven't got to jump on a plane and fly all the way out to Texas. You know, it's like, great, I can just we can get some barbecue and be, you know, living it up out here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't you worry. I'm, I, I, I want that side. Of, I'd love to be able to come out there as well. You know, yeah and hopes i will hopefully that will be the case let's hope that because u.s sales have been really good there have been a lot of people in the u.s have been buying the book which is great you know there's just like you know just i think coming on and doing all these interviews and chatting to everybody from various parts of the states you know there's been lovely feedback people getting back to me saying oh i heard you you know chatting on this and this station or that station or what have you so yeah so thanks everyone who who is buying it you know it's it's yeah. it's, it's a real you know honor that you that you that you're interested in my story it's, it's, oh, yeah. So, yeah it's definitely a great story it's uh speaking to it with my wife as well before um she was real interested in it as well she actually started reading the book this morning so she's going to go through it now um oh, so it's you know it's it's definitely 
she's some my wife's actually from the Philippines, but she was like, like, you got run over by a train? I was like, Yeah. And she's like, He's not dead. I was like, No, thank God he's not. <laughs> it's, she's like, It's amazing, right? So she's wanted to read the whole story now. Oh, brilliant. Bless so that's that's definitely really. next. You know, like we have a lot of family members that are actually really like really spiritual. So they are Oh, I put them onto it as well, and, and they, you know, I have like some uncles and stuff like that that actually want to read the book. So, they, you know, they're, they're probably gonna end up having to buy it as well because they, you know, they yeah. want to read it. So, um, great, I got them on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's thanks for spreading the word for me. Oh yeah, Thank we're you. spreading the word out here big time. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely a great story. But I mean, Brilliant. so now after all this, you know, is hopefully not i'm not gonna say done yet but you know you'll mm. you'll continue to paint you know things like that hopefully yeah make another book make some more music but well yeah the music stick keeps coming yeah yeah I'm, i've been i was i've been working on a new piece actually a new piece for orchestra and so that's in between doing all this this work this so I, that's i, I want to try and get that together and hopefully an orchestra will be able to perform, perform it at this stage. They can't, you know, because they can't meet, you know, obviously yeah. that's another thing that's been hit by the lockdown. So there's no orchestra. So, so, um, but, but by the time I've got everything settled down and I've got everything ready for them, hopefully by then they'll be able to start looking at it and, you know, cause they're keen to, I, I, I spoke to the conductor of um, the Cambridge orchestra about it and he knows about me and he said, yeah, let's have a look at it. So, so yeah. So, I'll let you know, you know, if, if, if what happens there, you know, what that, it's it's a new piece, yeah. So I'm, I'm pleased with that. I'm pleased with the way that's coming on. So and, definitely have uh, to get that one recorded, especially on video as well or something. So oh yeah, uh, no, you're right. I will have it. to run. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that. You said because I probably wouldn't have done. I probably would have forgot all about it. And, and then everyone was saying, "Why didn't you video it?" So ah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to take a look at it. You know, especially yeah. for a lot of people that can't make it out there. Even you know, even with without the lockdown you know just you know other people just wouldn't be able to make it out there but we would definitely you know maybe have it on your website or we can you know like have it on youtube or something but that's yeah definitely yeah. something we can all take a look at as well yeah well as i say i mean a, a lot of people have been listening to to that that first symphony that i did um through the website so you know mm-hmm. please anybody who's just you know, just come on now, listen, please just go and have a look on it on there, you know, uh, yeah, shine. Sorry to keep plugging it, but it's just, no, no, people yeah. want to know it's, you know, shine on the star. Yeah. Shine on the story.com. So please go and have a look and then you'll find all the links there. And you can, if, as I say, I'm streaming it for free. I'm not charging anybody to listen to that. Uh, but it's been lovely because, you know, people have been reading the book and then going onto the website and listening to the music, and then it, it gives it a new dimension. There, they can look at the paintings as well. So, the whole journey is like a, is quite a three dimensional thing, yeah. Because the fact that those two creative forms came through has really helped to get the story out there. Because it, that's what it's been about, to be honest with you. Right from the start, right from the very off, was like, how can I tell people about this, and what is my mission? You know. I just kept lying there thinking, why, why, why have they sent me back? What is it I've got to do, you know? And um, so I, I just figure really what I've got to do is just try and tell my story uh, in the best possible way and, uh, that I can. And so the, the book is the next stage, the next medium, really, which is proving to be really good because, as I said to you, you know, it's bringing about uh, many interviews and stuff that I'm doing like you, with you and stuff. And it, so it's spreading the word. 
around. So it's, it's going further afield uh, than, than ever, which is brilliant. Um, so let's see where the book goes. I mean, the energy feels really good at the moment. Like it's, there's a lot of interest at, uh, at this stage and there's people, you know, getting back to me and people buying it. So I, I just hope that that continues to sort of, you know, open Span, like a, yeah. like a oh, flower yeah. as it were, you know, something, or, or a ripple, probably that's the best way to put it. It's, it's a ripple in the ocean at the moment. Let's sure. hope that ripple just becomes a wave, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely a crazy story as far as, you know, you going into painting and then actually writing music and then now writing a book. I mean, it's definitely oh, a lot of first, right? So but it is because I'm also dyslexic. So, right. Yeah, so you would never have thought I'd be able to write a book. You know, I mean, I've, I was obviously helped with that. You know, I've got a ghostwriter who helped me with putting it together because I just couldn't have done it with dyslexia. Because uh, I was interested enough, they kept also telling me, I remember that, you know, uh, the, these mediums, they say, oh, you know, they keep telling me, you're going to write your story, you've got to write it. And I was going, yeah, yeah, I, I wish. You know, it's going to take me a <laughs> lifetime, you know. But there you go. So it's, it's out. <laughs> Yeah, and it's mad maybe. you know yeah i'll be great. able to go back to my nice my teachers at school though had no faith in me whatsoever and say there you go <laughs> I mean, it's not just a book it's a amazon a number one bestseller so indeed you thank you <laughs> <laughs> you can throw that in their face too but <laughs> no yeah all right mr mr ditchfield i really appreciate your time it was a great story it was I had a blast here um just once again let everybody know about your website and where they can actually find your book yeah, sure. So if you go to shineonthestory.com and uh, have a look there and you'll, you'll find everything in there. And Amazon is probably your best bet uh, in, uh, in the States and, well, wherever, you know. Uh, people are getting it in New Zealand, Australia. So, yeah, Amazon, uh, please just go on there and just tap in Shine On and my name, David Ditchfield, and, and it will come up. Well, you'll find a link on the website anyway sure. for the book. You can just click on there. Yeah, and for everybody Please else that's it. watching um, right now, we're going to go ahead and link the website as well as the Amazon link for the book. Um, and do you actually have like any kind of social media where anybody can follow you as well? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got um, a Facebook page. So if you go to David Ditchfield NDE right. and, and find me there. Um, again, all the links are on the website. But, uh, and there's an Instagram page as well. So you can follow me on there because there's always updates going on to Instagram. And I've, a lot of my artwork and paintings are up on, on Instagram as well. So you'll see a lot more of the paintings. So both of those. And um, yeah, and Twitter. And SoundCloud, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's great. Yeah, it was a great book. Um, we're definitely going to be spreading the word out here as well, getting it out to as much people as we can um it was a great book and this was a great time i really appreciate it um for all you guys out there please go ahead and pick up mr Dishfield's book um like you said you can go to his website and find that you can find him on facebook and instagram as well um and as far as us you guys if you guys would please go ahead and subscribe to our youtube channel hit that bell icon so you never miss an episode in the future uh, please make sure you guys uh actually hit the like button as well like i mentioned before that helps us with the youtube algorithms um, please follow us on Twitter at Defender Podcast, on Instagram at Truth Defender Podcast, and you can also email us at etruthdefender1776 at gmail.com with any kind of questions or comments for our guests or for us as well, guests or topic recommendations. Um, so for another show, I really appreciate you guys being here straight from the heart of Texas, Dallas, Texas. Uh, I am your host, Paul Aguilar. Thank you very much, everybody, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>